Welcome to episode eight of Straight Up Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Schaefer. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs, why I think it's going to win tonight's national championship game between Clemson and Alabama. We're also going to look ahead to the Knicks and the Rangers with the trade deadline and what they need to do right now with both teams really struggling. And also my first NBA mock draft top 10. I know a lot of fans don't really know a lot of these college players, but I'm going to try to give you as much information as I can uh, regarding these top 10 players. So first off, I want to uh, thank you all for listening. I know I haven't made an episode in a month. It's been a busy time. Uh, The holidays are a busy time. I hope you all had a happy new year and a nice holiday. Um, These podcasts will be coming to you every Monday from now on. Um, We're going to do it at the beginning of each week so you guys can get up-to-date stuff and and understand where I'm coming from and my opinions. We're also going to have guests on. I know I haven't had any guests on yet, but we are going to have guests on as we go along here. I'm going to have a couple of buddies do some soccer stuff for the Champions League. I know some people are interested in that. I'm also going to have uh, some other people come on to talk about the trade deadlines for both the NBA and the NHL because they are both coming up uh, relatively quickly in the next month or two. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get started with the NFL playoffs. So obviously the last two days was the wild card weekend. It was a pretty crazy wild card weekend. I, I mean, I don't remember it being this crazy. I, I mean, it's, there have been, I'm sure crazier weekends. I just can't think of any. I want to start in the NFC cause that's really, that was the craziest game. And that was the bears and the Eagles that was in Chicago. Um, you know, give the Eagles credit, you know, they, they won 16-15 over the Bears. Cody Parkey missed a field goal, hit the post, hit the crossbar, and it missed. And all the fans in Chicago were booing him and throwing death threats at him. The man is a kicker, okay? He's an NFL, he's an NFL player. He's a human being just like everybody else. Guys miss field goals. That's the way it goes. And I know the Bears are disappointed because they were the three seed and they had home field. And, you know, there was a chance maybe they can get to the Super Bowl. But unfortunately, Cody Parkey hit six uprights this season. He owned up to it. He said, you know, I haven't been a great kicker this year. And, you know, next year I'm going to have a much better season. And then later, the slow motion video came out and it showed that the Eagles defensive lineman actually tipped the field goal. He tipped the ball and the ball went in a different direction. So he actually, it looked like it would have gone in. He would have made it. If it wasn't touched, it would have gone right down the middle and the game would have been over and Chicago would have gone on. Um, But Nick Foles keeps the magic going. Um, you know, you give, give him credit. I mean, this guy won a Super Bowl last year, and people are really starting to question whether or not Nick Foles or Carson Wentz is the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Carson Wentz has way more talent than Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles is a product of a great offense. Like, I think he, you know, it's very similar to Case Keenum. Case Keenum was in Minnesota, ran under Pat Shermer, did an outstanding job, went to Denver, he's been terrible. I think if Nick Foles were to leave, I think he'd obviously get paid a lot of money but I don't think he would do as well as he did in Philly because Doug Peterson's not his offensive coordinator anymore. Doug Peterson's head coach of the Eagles. So that's my two cents on it. Um, The Eagles did win the game 16-15, as I mentioned. Foles did throw two interceptions. Um, Trubisky, I thought, was outstanding through 300 yards and a touchdown. I think really the issue for Chicago was they, they didn't really get any running game. Jordan Howard only had 35 yards. Tariq Cohen only had one carry. Um, you know, and that's concerning. Um, you know, I thought the Bears defense played as good as they could. It was an old-school, hard-hitting uh, football game. But congratulations to the Eagles. They are now going to New Orleans to go play the Saints. That's going to be a very difficult game, obviously, for the Eagles. 
Uh, the other matchup in the NFC was Dallas at home against Seattle. Dallas pulled it out 24-22. I thought Dak looked good. Uh, I thought Ezekiel Elliott was outstanding, and he has proven that he is the best running back in the league. Led the league in rushing this year at 137 yards and a touchdown. I thought Amari Cooper was great at 106 yards as well. I think the biggest problem for Seattle was another one. They couldn't get the running game going. You know, Rashad Penny, 29 yards. Chris Carson, 20 yards. Like, they really just could not run the football. I thought Russell Wilson played fine. I didn't think he was the reason they lost. Um, give Dallas credit. You know, I, I, I didn't think they were going to win this game. I picked Seattle. Um, so give Dallas credit. Now they're going to go end up playing the L.A. Rams in, in the Coliseum. Uh, that'll be a very difficult game for Dallas. Dallas was 7-1 and one at home. And, you know, they were, I believe they were 3-5 three and, three and five on the road. Yeah, 3-5 and five on the road. So, so I, I think Dallas is going to go into a very tough environment in L.A. Um, so the next games for next week for the NFC, it's going to be, like as I mentioned, Eagles at Saints, Cowboys at Rams. Um, I think the Saints are very good at home. They're very tough to beat. I'm going to take the Saints to beat the Eagles. I think it'll be closer than people think. Um, I think Foles will keep them in it for a while, but I just think the Saints are going to create too much, and I really just don't see the Eagles winning in New Orleans. It's a very tough game. Uh, Rams, the, the Rams are home to the Cowboys. Todd Gurley was out the last two weeks with a knee injury. It sounds like he's going to play. I think they're really missing Cooper Cup right now. I mean, that's a really big loss for them. He was kind of like their Wes Welker kind of slot receiver guy, and I think they're really missing him. But I do think since Dallas has is 3-5 and five on the road, they're not really that great on the road. They're their splits are very different. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams to, to beat the Cowboys, and that's going to set up Rams, Saints, and New Orleans, and I'm going to take the Saints. I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I, I think this is the year for Drew Brees. I, I know he didn't win the, he's probably not going to win MVP, but the man's going to get another Super Bowl, and you know I think a lot of people are rooting for him in his corner. So I'm going to switch to the AFC now. Um, the first game was Indianapolis at Houston. I actually picked the Colts to win this game. I I had a feeling Indianapolis was going to come in and play well. They were 1-5 and five and made the playoffs. And Houston almost lost to the Jets. I mean, listen, I'm a Jets fan. They're awful. And if you almost lose to the Jets, you've got bigger problems. And the biggest problem with the Houston Texans is their head coach, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien should not be the head coach next season. You were the three seed in the AFC. You were supposed to at least get to the second round. And unfortunately, they just didn't do it. Now, losing Demarius Thomas hurt a lot. Remember, Demarius Thomas tore his ACL, so that, that really hurt them. Um, but their run defense was nowhere to be found. Indianapolis had 200 rushing yards. Marlon Mack had 148 and a touchdown. You know, there was the whole clown thing with T.Y. Hilton and Jonathan Joseph. And, you know, and T.Y. Hilton had 85 yards. He showed up. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins only had 37 yards. He was completely shut down. And you got to give the Indianapolis defense a lot of credit. But Indianapolis has two rookies that nobody's talking about. And that's Darius Leonard, their linebacker, and their offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, out of Notre Dame. These two guys have been impressive. They, they just know what they're doing. They came in ready to go, and they are just moving guys out of the way. So now Indianapolis will go to Kansas City. The other matchup was Chargers-Ravens. The Chargers won 23-17. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson did not look very good. Um, going into the fourth quarter, I think he had minus two passing yards at one point in the game. You know, and there were questions of whether or not they should play Joe Flacco. You know, a guy who's won a Super Bowl, 
And John Harbaugh said, I never considered Flacco. I wanted to go with Lamar Jackson. You know, Baltimore was down 23-3. to They got two touchdowns, had a chance at an onside kick. Unfortunately, the Chargers recovered it. But, you know, give, give Phillip Rivers credit. I thought the Chargers were going to win this game. I thought they were the better football team. Rivers is a better quarterback right now than Lamar Jackson. I thought Baltimore actually did a decent job on L.A. I mean, you know, Melvin Gordon only had 40 yards. Mike Williams only had 42 yards. So I actually felt Baltimore did all they could on defense. I think the problem was offensively, Lamar Jackson just couldn't get them going. Um, I think the Chargers just just barely did enough to beat Baltimore. Now they have to go to New England to play Tom Brady. And Phillip Rivers has had his issues there in the past. He's been to a couple AFC Championship games, but he's always lost to Brady. So, as I said, Indianapolis will play Kansas City. I'm actually going to take the Colts. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but... The biggest key to this game is can Kansas City get any pressure on Andrew Luck? Because Kansas City's defense is one of the worst in the league. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. There's no question. I'm not denying his talent. He's going to win MVP. He's a great player. But losing Kareem Hunt hurts. And their defense isn't great. And the Indianapolis front offensive line will maul Kansas City. They will open up running room for Marlon Mack. I think T.Y. Hilton could have a huge day. I'm going to take the Colts to upset Kansas City. At Arrowhead, which is very difficult to do. Arrowhead's a very tough place to play. But I will take Indianapolis to beat Kansas City. And that leaves the Patriots against the Chargers. This will be a great game. I could see the Chargers winning this game, but I'm taking Tom Brady. Tom Brady at home in a playoff game, it's very difficult to go against them. I know the Patriots' defense hasn't been great this year. They really haven't had much of a running game. You know, Gronkowski has not really had the greatest of years, but... I think New England was just bored, and I think they're, now they're ready, and I actually think they're going to make the Super Bowl. They're going to beat the Chargers and the Colts, and they're going to play the Saints in the Super Bowl, and I think the Saints get the best of the Patriots, and that kind of ends the dynasty. I, Brady says he wants to come back next year. I just don't know if they're going to plan it all out. It sounds like Josh McDaniels is going to take a head coaching job somewhere, so I'm just not sure about that but those those are my predictions for the nfl those are my two cents um the next thing i want to talk about is the college football championship that's going on tonight between bama and clemson which is to no shock to anybody that those two are are going again give Dabo sweeney and nick saban a lot of credit two of the best to ever do it Dabo sweeney actually played at alabama so there's a little bit of a connection there Um, I'm taking Alabama. Look, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. He's going to be the first overall pick whenever he comes out. He reminds me a lot of, I can't believe I'm saying this, a lot of Peyton Manning. I mean, he's a big guy, strong, big arm. You know, I think his arm check's actually better than Peyton Manning's. Um, Smart, doesn't turn the ball over. And um, I'm going to go with Alabama. I do think Clemson will be in it going into the fourth quarter, but I always thought Clemson was overrated. They had a soft schedule this year. The ACC had a down year. And when Dabo Sweeney comes out and says that Syracuse had the best defensive ends we faced all season, that's a problem. And it's nothing against my alma mater, but Syracuse's defensive line was good, but they weren't great. Alabama is great. And I think Alabama's defense is going to get a ton of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. I think Alabama is going to win it. I'll say um, 35-28 over Clemson. I think, like I said, I think Clemson will hang around because of the quarterback, but I think Bama's just too much. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take 
uh, Alabama to beat Clemson. So that's it for, for football. Uh, I want to I wanna switch gears a little bit now. I want to talk about the local teams here in New York. I'm going to start with the Rangers. Uh, the last three games have been absolutely abysmal, embarrassing. I mean, you could use any adjective to describe it. They lost 7-2 at home to Pittsburgh, 6-1 in Colorado, and 5-0 in Arizona. And the Arizona loss is really embarrassing because Arizona really has not had a great year. Antti Ranta's not starting right now. He's injured. They lost Nick Schmaltz, who they traded for. It's just really a disaster. And uh, the Rangers have really, really struggled uh, the last few games. Uh, I actually went to the Rangers-Arizona game in New York, and the Rangers had a 3-0 lead and blew it, and that's kind of where it all fell apart for them. Um, I'm not blaming Lundqvist. I know he's been up and down recently, but honestly, the guy is just out of gas, and he's he's old. I mean, he's 36 years old, and you know you got to give the guy some rest. Give your backup Alexander Georgiev an opportunity to show what he's made of. You know, I don't think Alexander Georgiev's the future backup. I don't even think he's a future starter in this league, because I think the Rangers have better goalies. But you know, you got to give this kid an opportunity to play. I mean, he's only played in 10 games. We're 41 games in, which is halfway through the season. Hank's played in 31 games. That's a lot. So he's on pace to play in 62 games. That's way too many. I mean, Lundqvist should be playing in 50 to 55 games. Georgiev should be getting about, you know, 25 to 30 games. So I think Georgiev, you'll see him a little more second half of the year. I think David Quinn's starting to realize that Lundqvist is starting to run out of gas a little bit. The good news is there are bye weeks coming up and then the All-Star game's coming up. But the problem is Henrik Lundqvist made it to the All-Star game because now he's going to end up playing in that as well. So I, I would go with Georgiev a little bit more. That's my, that's my take on the whole goalie thing for the Rangers. Now, I haven't watched much of the Rangers, but from what I can tell and from what I have watched, it, it's time to make some moves. And I think it's time for the Rangers to kind of break this rodeo up and kind of get ready for next year. So the first thing I would do is I would trade Matt Zuccarello. Now, Larry Brooks, the New York Post, who's the Rangers beat writer, came out with a report saying that Matt Zuccarello is probably going to get traded uh, sometime during their bye week and by the All-Star game. So people are saying, what's the asking price for Zuccarello? You know, he's our fan favorite. We should get a lot for him. The bottom line is he's been injured. He hasn't played well this year. It's in his head, and he's lost. Um, I think right now the asking price for me would be a second-round pick and a mid-level prospect. I don't think you're going to get much more than that. Um, he's not a goal scorer. He's a good playmaker, good on the power play, awful defensive player. Um, he's a fresh start. He's in a contract year. I think he'll probably get less money than he had hoped for. Um, so, But I do believe the Rangers will move him. I think the team that could probably use him the most is Colorado. Um, they're a team that really is a one-line team right now with Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. Uh, I don't. I think obviously there's other teams interested. Nashville shown interest. Calgary shown interest. Uh, Boston has shown interest. But I really think the team that makes the most sense is Colorado because they're a they're a good team. They're not great yet. They have great talent, and they have younger talent coming. Um, so I I actually believe. That Zuccarello will get traded. He'll probably be the first to go. Um, the next few guys that I'm about to mention are probably not going to get moved till the deadline, but they're guys that the Rangers should definitely consider moving. Zuccarello, for sure, should get moved first. The first guy I want to bring up is Kevin Hayes. 
Kevin Hayes is an interesting guy because he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. He's had a great year for the Rangers. He's probably been their, he's probably their second best player behind Kreider. Um, and, you know, it's just really tough because I think what's going to happen is Kevin Hayes is, and Jeff Gordon, the Rangers general manager, are going to come together and say, okay, what kind of contract do you want? If I'm Jeff Gordon... The most I'm offering Kevin Hayes is six years for six and a half million. If that's not enough for Kevin Hayes, then you're going to have to move him. And, you know, that's tough because he's a center. He's a very good one. Um, he's a second-line center who can defend in his own end, win face-offs. He's a great playmaker. He probably should shoot the puck more than he does. But the Rangers, it sounds like, according to a lot of the insiders, the plan of action is they're trying to get Artemi Panarin and possibly Eric Carlson. So if you want to get both of them in here, then you're going to have to move Kevin Hayes because he is going to take up some cap room. Um, Again, the asking price for him, I think, would be similar to what you got for Rick Nash, which will be a first-round pick, a prospect, and maybe a change-of-scenery player. Um, again, the teams that have shown interest in him are Boston, Colorado, and Winnipeg. Um, I'm very curious to see how Jeff Gordon and Kevin Hayes play this out. Um, in the end, I do believe he will get traded, uh, unfortunately for them, because they have to open up a spot for Leas Anderson, because you need to see what you have in him. I know he hasn't looked great, and he's still only 20 years old, but you kind of have to see what you have in these kids. Um, I think Nemesnikov is another forward that could possibly get moved. I don't think he's going to get moved now. I think they'll move him in the summer. Um, he's making about $4 million a season, I believe, and he's been up and down. He's had his moments. I think realistically, he's a bottom six forward, probably on your third line. And um, I, I just I think he'll get moved in the summer. I know I don't really know anyone that really likes Nemesnikov as a player. Uh, he was kind of a throw-in in that trade with Miller and McDonough. Um, hasn't really worked out, but I, I do think he'll end up getting moved in the summer. Uh, Ryan Strom is another interesting guy. I think he's actually played fairly decent here uh, in New York. I, I think they'll keep him around as the 12th, 13th forward for next year. You know, He's a guy that could play both center and wing. He can do face-offs. He's also pretty reliable in his own end. Um, and I also like the fact that Islanders fans are jealous that he's playing well for us. So uh, I would keep Ryan Strom at least through the, through the summer. And if you want to move him at next year's deadline, I'm okay with that. And there's actually a report that came out today that the Ranger that's actually gaining the most interest is Jesper Fast. Now, I love Jesper Fast as a player. Great defensively. Plays hard. I think he should be the next Rangers captain. I know everybody would be against that because he's quiet. He's not, you know, a star player. He's not, you know, 25, 30 goal material. Um, but if you get an offer you can't refuse for any player, not just Foss, for any player, you have to consider it. Um, an offer that would blow me away would be at least getting a second-round pick for him. You know, if you get a second-round pick for a guy that only has, like, six goals, I'm moving him. I'm sorry. And, you know, you got you to gotta get assets, got to get younger guys in here. And I love Foss. He's a great player, and, you know, I would hate to see him go. I really would. It would stab me and twist. But um, I really hope that he, uh, he doesn't get traded. But we'll see. 
In terms of the defense, there's three guys that are going to be here next year. That's Mark Stahl, Brady Shea, and Neil Pionk. Everybody else is up for debate. Um, Adam McQuaid, I think, will get moved by the deadline. He's actually played pretty decent recently. Uh, him and Brady Shea have been a nice, stable pair, but I do believe Adam McQuaid will get traded by the deadline. I do think there will be interest in him because he brings a little, little grit. He's got size as well. So I think there will be interest in him. Um, Brendan Smith, I would try to move him. I don't think you're going to be able to because he hasn't played well at all. He takes too many dumb penalties and too many high-risk plays. I think for him, I, after the trade deadline, after you move everybody, I would bury him in Hartford, call it a season with him, call up some of the younger kids like Chris Begris or Libor Hayek or Ryan Lindgren or maybe even John Gilmore who made the AHL All-Star game this year. You know, Call up some of those kids. Let's see what they, we have in them. Um, but Brendan Smith is done after this season. They're going to buy him out. Uh, unfortunately, that signing did not work out for the Rangers. I was not a fan of that signing from the beginning. I thought he was a one-hit wonder in the playoffs with Brady Shea. I knew once that guy got paid, he wasn't going to be any good. And he wasn't any good. And um, I just... I really believe that, that he's done in New York. Um, the next guy is Tony D'Angelo. Hasn't really played. They've gotten blown out three times and he hasn't played. So that tells me that he's not a part of the future. Um, I think they're going to try to move him by the deadline. If not, I think they'll just put him on waivers and you know somebody will claim him. I'm sure he's 22 years old. He's a young defenseman. He's actually played okay for the Rangers. Their record is 15-6-4 with him in the lineup, which is pretty good. Um, I don't know why they're not playing him. My only guess is because they're trying to showcase other guys. Um, and they really don't care about him at all. Um, so I do think he, you know, it was down to, like I said, it was down to him and Pionk. I think Pionk's been better than him. Um, so I think Neil will be here. And the last guy is Kevin Shattenkirk. And, you know, Kevin Shattenkirk is, was signed here, local kid, you know, offensive D-man, righty, you know, something the Rangers have never had. And he's been an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, defensively, he's a struggle in his own end. Offensively, he doesn't really score. He can make some plays, but he just he, he's been injured a lot. He tore his meniscus last year. This year it was another injury. I mean, it's just not working out. And I think if the Rangers can move him at the deadline, you know, eat about half to 60% of his salary, I think they can actually get a decent amount for him. I think if you can eat 50 to 60% of his salary, if you can get a second-round pick and a prospect for him, I would do it in a heartbeat, you know, and just cut your ties. He really just has not worked out here. And... Um, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. You know, some things work out and some don't. Free agency, that's the way free agency goes. Unfortunately, Shattenkirk and Smith didn't work out. Um, but one that has is Freddie Clayson. Freddie Clayson's played well for them. I know he's been in and out of the lineup recently, but I do believe he'll be back next season as the seventh day. And, you know, I think he's played very decent, especially if you bring in Eric Carlson. They're, they have some familiarity. Remember, they played together in Ottawa. They were the top pair there. So I could see Freddie Clayson coming back, especially if Eric Carlson does decide to walk in the door. Um... So now I'm going to focus on the Knicks. Uh, where to start? Let's see. Uh, the Knicks have been really struggling. Porzingis is still injured. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is still injured. Um, Ennis Kander has been complaining recently that the team is putting him in a bad spot. Um, so there's just a lot of drama with the Knicks. Now, I think there's five guys that need to go by the trade deadline. That's a lot, so I don't expect it all to happen. But that's Courtney Lee, Lance Thomas, Mario Hizonia, Trey Burke, and Ennis Cannon. I'm going to start with Courtney Lee. I like Courtney Lee as a player. Just this year, it hasn't worked out. He, was, he missed the first 23 games with a neck injury. It was actually pretty scary. It led to his chest. They thought maybe he would never play again. 
Um, but fortunately, he did play, but he hasn't played great. Um, I do not believe he will get traded by the deadline. I think he'll get traded in the summer because he'll have one year left on his deal. Um, he'll be a UFA at the end of the next season, and I think somebody will take a chance on him. I do not believe he'll get moved at the deadline. Lance Thomas, offensive liability, defensive asset. Um, what I mean by that is he's a very good defensive player, but offensively he's a dumpster fire. And as we all know, one-dimensional players nowadays just aren't working out, unless you're in a one-dimensional offensive player, in which case you have a better shot. I personally believe uh, he will not get traded um, because there's just not going to be a market for him. I think if there's one team that's going to show interest, it's the Thunder because he's very close to Russell Westbrook and he played there a little bit before he came to New York. But I just don't see that happening. So I think he will be here. Uh, next guy is Mario Hazonia. He's had a terrible season. He's not any good. The Knicks gave him an opportunity. It's not working out. Um, I think for him, he has no trade value at all. I think he will be here. He'll finish out the season, and the Knicks will not re-sign him in free agency. Uh, maybe he'll sign with another team in the NBA, or he might just go back to Europe. Next guy is Trey Burke. Now, Trey Burke's interesting because he's been up and down. He's averaging about 11 to 12 points a game. Uh, he won us a game in Boston, which was a great game to watch. I think you might be able to get a second-round pick for him. But ultimately, I think Trey Burke's a third-string point guard that could be a backup if, you know, as a fill-in for injuries. You know, maybe somebody takes a shot at him, but I really just don't see it happening. I, I think he'll end up staying with the Knicks as well. You know, maybe the Knicks will waive him. They could waive a couple of these guys. Maybe that's something they consider. And the last guy is Ennis Canner. Now, Ennis Canner is what we call fake tough. I don't think he's tough at all. I think he, he has stood up to LeBron and Giannis and some of the other guys. But let's face it, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo are running him over. So I am not sold on Ennis Kanter as a starting player in this league. He's a good bench player. With, you know, He's a good offensive rebounder. He's a good offensive player in general. He's way too selfish for me, though, and he's not good defensively. He's Actually, the Knicks are 6.5 points better per 100 possessions with him on the bench. And I know Canner's going to get a lot of run because Mitchell Robinson is still injured. And, you know, that's just the way it goes. But I do believe they will trade Ennis Canner. Teams will have interest in him to come off the bench. Um, ideally, I'd like a second-round pick and maybe a young change-of-scenery player. Like, that would be ideal for Canner. I don't see them getting a first-round pick. Um, I, just because of every, all the drama he brings and all the baggage he has. and So I just don't see it for him. Um, as for the other guys, I think Moutier is going to end up re-signing. I think Vonley will end up re-signing. Obviously, you have the three rookies, Knox, Trier, and Robinson. Um, the other two guys that interest me are, are Damian Dotson and Frank Nilakina. I think they're both going to be here past the deadline. I think there's a possibility they could get moved in the summer. Frank maybe could use a change of scenery. I personally believe Frank is a backup point guard who needs to be behind an established point guard. That's why I thought when Memphis's name came up, I thought that was a great fit for him. He could be a defensive guy and not worry about scoring and starting and all this other stuff that's distracting him. He also reunites with Joakim Noah. And I think behind, being behind Mike Conley, I think Conley could teach him a few things. And I just think Memphis would be a great fit for him. As for Damian Dotson, I, I like Dotson as a player, but the problem is the Knicks are playing him at the three and he's actually a two. We have a backup to an Alonzo True who I think is better than Damian Dotson. So I do believe he will get traded as well, but I don't think it'll be until after the deadline. 
Um, I know the Pistons have shown interest in him. I know the Nets have shown interest in him as well. Uh, but I just don't think you're going to get a lot for him, if anything at all. Um, I would like to keep him, let him play out the year. Same with Frank. Let him play out the year. Let's see what they can do. Give them some more minutes. Play them, you know, 16 to 20 minutes a night. And let's see what these guys can do. If they impress me the second half of the year, then I'll consider it. If not, then I think you've got to cut your ties and move on. And that's just the way it goes. And then obviously the big elephant in the room is Porzingis. You know, he's due a max extension. I think what's going to happen is the Knicks are going to offer him a contract. He's probably going to decline it. Then a team's going to offer sheet him, and then the Knicks are just going to accept the offer sheet, whatever that is. Um, Porzingis is going to want a full max, but the Knicks would be stupid to pay him a full max when he hasn't played with a torn ACL. I think a team, a lot of teams will probably pay him a lot of money, whether it's Portland, Phoenix, San Antonio, um, New Orleans. You know, teams like that will probably pay him a lot of money because those are the teams that have shown interest in him in the past. Somebody will offer sheet him a ton of money. The Knicks will say, okay, we'll take it, and we'll re-sign him. Hopefully they bring in Durant and Kemba Walker. They have a top-five draft pick. They'll bring in somebody there as well, and, and that's that. And speaking of top-five draft picks, I am going to put out my first NBA mock draft top 10. I know this is something I've wanted to do. Um, I'm a big college basketball fan, obviously going to Syracuse, and I pay attention to it a lot. Um, I know most people don't pay attention to it till March. That's totally understandable. Um, you know, it's just like any other sport. There are sports that I know all of you people out there listen to that, you know, some people just don't have interest in, you know, uh, there's people that listen to, you know, soccer leagues that nobody has interest in. And there's people that watch the NBA as detailed as some people do that maybe don't like the NBA. And there's also people that watch the NFL and there's people that don't watch the NFL because it's too political. So there's a lot of different things. So I looked at the draft order today. And I also looked at some players. So right now, the order is Cleveland 1, Phoenix 2, Chicago 3, New York 4, Atlanta 5, Washington 6, Orlando 7, New Orleans 8, Detroit 9, and Boston actually has the 10th pick, but that's Memphis's pick. But, so the 10th pick belongs to the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to start with the number one pick. That is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, last year they drafted Colin Sexton, the rookie point guard out of Alabama. He's actually played pretty well for them. So I don't think they have an issue there. Um, They have Tristan Thompson locked up long-term at center. They also just got John Henson in a trade. Maybe that's a guy you want to consider starting. Um, For me, though, the number one pick is clear-cut. It's Zion Williamson. And Zion Williamson is a special talent. He's a freak athlete. He's an absolutely incredible jumper, incredible dunker. Uh, He can block shots. I think the one concern for me is his jump shot. Now, a jump shot is something you can improve in the NBA very quickly. And that was actually the same issue LeBron had, was his jump shot. There were were concerns there. I think Zion Williamson is a very underrated passer. I think he's the most hyped talent since LeBron James. Um, I think he's going to be a generational talent. I think he could be you know, a top 20 player when it's all said and done. Um, But we'll see how it shakes out. But I do believe the Cavaliers will take Zion Williamson at number one. And anybody who has the number one pick will take Zion Williamson. So the number two pick is the Phoenix Suns. Now, I think Suns fans felt that their season was going to go better than this, you know, drafting Devin Book. Obviously, having Devin Booker, who's a 20-point-a-game scorer, drafting DeAndre Ayton at number one. 
you know, I don't think the Suns really realized how bad their point guard situation was. It is brutal, you know. Um, so obviously their biggest need is a point guard. Um, when you're in this position and you have a need and you have best available, obviously based on need, the Suns would take John Morant, the point guard out of Murray State, who nobody really knows because Murray State's not on national television. I'm a fan of taking the best player available, and that's R.J. Barrett. Uh, R.J. Barrett is another wing player that the Suns, um, you know, probably don't need because they have a lot of wing players. Josh Jackson, T.J. Warren, they just got Kelly Oubre in a trade. Um, they just drafted Mikael Bridges last year from Villanova. I happen to believe that what they should do is take R.J. Barrett and trade Josh Jackson for a point guard. I think Josh Jackson is a guy that could use a change of scenery. He has had some flashes in Phoenix, but I don't think ultimately he's a franchise-changing talent. Um, I think maybe he's an attractable piece to get a point guard. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, that's a guy who could get you maybe, I, I don't know, uh, you know, a point guard that could want out. Is Damian Lillard an option? You know, um, I'm just trying to think of other guys on bad teams. Uh, John Wall. You know, is that an option? You know, is Goran Dragic an option? You know, so th there's guys out there. It's just you have to get creative with your deal. So if I'm the Suns, I'm taking R.J. Barrett, and I'm trading Josh Jackson to another team. So the next team is Chicago. Um, this team is a disaster. I mean, right now, the spots they have filled in my book are Lowry Markinen at the power forward. I like his game a lot. Wendell Carter at center reminds me a lot of Al Horford, so I think he'll be a solid center. And the other spot is Zach Levine. They signed him to a big contract. He's had a decent year. I don't think he's as good as people think he is, but right now he's the starting two guard. So the needs for me are point guard and small forward. Now, Chris Dunn is their point guard. I'm not sold on him as a franchise, you know, savior. Um, so for me, it came down to Ja Morant or Cam Reddish. I went with Cam Reddish because I think I trust Chris Dunn more than I trust the guys at the small forward position right now, which is Denzel Valentine and Antonio Blakeney. So I trust Chris Dunn a little more than those guys. I would take Cam Reddish at number three if I'm Chicago. You know, another shooter. He can help spread the floor. He's an average defender. I think he's only been bad at Duke because of Zion and Barrett. But I think Cam Reddish is really going to have a nice NBA career. And then, they, then we get to the Knicks at four. Their biggest need is going to be a guard. Um, assuming they don't get Kevin Durant and Kemba Walker or Kyrie, assuming they have the same team, their biggest need is a guard. Porzingis at the four, Robinson at the five, and Knox at the three. Right now your two guards are Tim Hardaway Jr. and Alonzo Trier. I'm sure they're going to try to move Tim Hardaway Jr. And their point guard situation, Emmanuel Moutier is a backup in my book. So for me, the guy I would take is John Morant, the point guard out of Murray State. He's young, he's athletic, he can score the ball. I mean, he's John Morant right now is averaging 24 points a game, 7 rebounds, and 10 assists on Murray State. Now granted, Murray State is in a conference that's not strong, but Damian Lillard was in a conference that wasn't strong and put up similar numbers. I think this kid is special talent. John Morant. I, th I think the Knicks would be very fortunate to get him. And then if you assign Kemba Walker, then you have Kemba and John Morant. That's great for the Knicks. And John Morant is 6'3", 170. He is a sophomore. Um, 
you know, so we'll see what the Knicks do. But I, that's the guy I would take at number four if I am uh, Scott Perry and Steve Mills. So next is Atlanta. Now, Atlanta last year took Trey Young. Uh, they also took Omari Spellman and Kevin Herter in the first round. Kevin Herter was the guard out of Maryland, Omari Spellman power forward out of Villanova. To me, the biggest needs for them are shooting guard, center, and small forward. I think their point guard is set with Trey Young. And I really like John Collins at power forward. I also like Torian Prince at small forward, but I think he's better off the bench. Shooting guard right now is Ken Bazemore. It sounds like he's going to get traded to another team. And their centers are Alex Lennon, Dwayne Dedman. I've not sold either one of them. For me, the pick would be Kevin Porter Jr. Um, I could see them taking Bulbul. I think that's a possibility. Um, but with the, with the foot injury he suffered, he's out for the season. He broke his foot. I just don't think Atlanta needs an injury-prone guy right now. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., to me, at a USC, is a guy who's played very decent for a freshman. He's averaging 19.6 rebounds, three assists, two, uh, a block, and two steals. So he's kind of the guy who could fill up the stat sheet. Um, he's 6'6", 217, so he is a shooting guard size. You know, for those of you that talk about positionless basketball, I'm not buying all that. I mean, you know, you're either a point guard or a shooting guard. This guy can score. 19 points a game is great. Now, granted, he's in the Pac-12, which is a terrible conference. They're only going to get one team in the tournament, probably. Um, but I would, if I'm Atlanta, to have Trey Young and Kevin Porter Jr. in your backcourt, I think is really a nice standard. And they're pretty similar. They both can score a lot, and they're both decent playmakers. I know Porter only averages three assists a game, but Trey Young can get up there and assist when he wants to. And I think Atlanta would start to build a little bit of a foundation going forward. Uh, the number six pick is the Washington Wizards. And I know that's really surprising because a lot of people thought the Wizards were going to be really good. And uh, I am one of them. I had them in the playoffs, but it's been a disaster. I mean, John Wall's out for the season with heel surgery. You know, Bradley Beal is probably going to get traded. Otto Porter's on basically a max contract. Uh, so what are the Wizards' needs? Well, pretty much everywhere because they're going to trade Bradley Beal and Otto Porter probably. So I would take the guy with the highest ceiling. And for me, that's Bol Bol, the center from uh, Oregon. Now, Bol Bol's father was Manute Bol, and Manute Bol actually played for the Washington Bullets. So it'd be kind of cool for Bol Bol, I think, to play with the Wizards. He'd probably wear the same number as his father. Um, Bol Bol right now, well, actually, his season is over because he broke his foot, but he's averaging, he averaged 25 and 12 and three blocks. And he, he also can stretch the floor and shoot the three. So I think you got to give... Um, Dana Altman, a lot of credit, that's the head coach at Oregon, for finding him and getting him to go there. Um, I think he, he could have gone top five if he was healthy, but I think he just fell a little bit because of the injury and a big with foot problems. It's a little, a little scary. Um, so I have him going to Washington at six. Um, seven is the Orlando Magic. Now, to me, they just need the best available player. Um, Nikola, Nikola Vucevic is their center, is their best player, is probably going to get traded. Um, they have Aaron Gordon. They drafted Jonathan Isaac. He's not great. Mo Bamba is probably going to be their future center. So I think they really need a guard. And I went with Romeo Langford, uh, the point guard out of Indiana. Langford averages 20.6 rebounds, three assists, one block, and one steal. The alarming thing for me with Romeo Langford is, is his defense is not great. Um, he's not a great defender. He's a 6'6'2 guard. I think he'd, you know, but I think he can also play some point guard. He's a pretty good ball handler. Um, so I think he's actually able to play both guard positions. Because at this point, I think the only point guard that could be on the board is Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt, but he tore the ACL. I'm not really sure if you want to take a chance there. Um, so I would personally 
uh, take Romeo Langford at number seven if I'm the Orlando Magic. You know, you get a guard in there, get someone who can handle the ball and do some different things. Uh, number eight is the Pelicans. Now, obviously, this is an interesting team because Anthony Davis is probably going to get moved at some point. Um, if Anthony Davis does stay, which I think is unlikely, but if he did, their biggest needs are point guard, which is right now is Alfred Payton, and their small forward position, which right now is Etwan Moore. Um, for me, the guy I would take is Nasir Little. Now, Nasir Little got off to a really slow start at Carolina, came off the bench. Now he's playing better. He's averaging 19 points and 8 rebounds. My biggest concern with him is he reminds me a lot of Carmelo Anthony, which is not an assist player, not a good defender. He does average uh, just a little bit over a steal a game, so his defense isn't awful, but he's not a playmaker. He's not someone that passes the ball. He's a ball stopper, and I think that could be an issue for some teams. Um, but I think at this point with, with New Orleans, they're going to need somebody to kind of score for them. So I think he's the guy that makes the most sense for me at number 8. Um, number nine is the, the Pistons. They were in the playoff picture. They lost eight in a row and it just fell apart. Um, right now they have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. I don't think any of those positions they need to draft. They need a small forward and a shooting guard because right now they have Luke Kennard, Glenn Robinson, Stanley Johnson, you know, like average players in the NBA. For me, I would take Jarrett Culver, the shooting guard out of Texas Tech. I know a lot of people don't watch Texas Tech basketball. And that's understandable. Uh, Jarrett Culver is a 6'5 sophomore, 190 pounds. Um, he's about to turn 20 years old next month. He's averaging 23 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, a block, and a steal. Um, so Jarrett Culver um, could be very similar, you know, to a Draymond Green type of guy, you know, puts the ball in the basket, rebounds, playmakes. You know, he's that, he's that glue guy. And uh, he is going to play the two guard at the next level. I think that would be a great pick for Detroit. You know, getting a two guard next to Reggie Jackson, I think, could really help them. Um, so that would be my pick. And then the last pick in my top 10 is Boston. Now, obviously, Memphis has this pick. Memphis, this is Memphis's pick, but Boston has the pick now. They own it. Um, Kyrie Irving, I think, will re sign in Boston. Um, they also have um, Al Horford at center, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum. So I think the biggest need for them is shooting guard. Um, next to Kyrie Irving, and the guy I would take is Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky. Uh, Keldon Johnson is 6'6", 211. Uh, he could play the two or the three. I would probably put him at the two. He's averaging 19 and 7. My biggest concern with him is he only averages two assists a game, doesn't block anything, and he doesn't average a steal. So that tells you he's a scorer. He's not a great defender. Um, but they have Marcus Smart to defend there. So I think that's what Boston needs. They need some more offense out of that two-guard position. They really just don't get it because Jalen Brown's a defender, and so is Marcus Smart. They're going to lose Terry Rozier. So I think a guard, I think Keldon Johnson makes sense for them at number 10. Now, obviously, there's other guys who I think could maybe jump into the top 10. DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia, Darius Garland, Vanderbilt, um, Rui Hachimura out of Gonzaga. I think these are some guys that could jump into the top 10. Um, I also have some sleepers I really like. Shamori Pons out of St. John's, Killian Tilly from Gonzaga, um, Grant Williams from Tennessee. So I, I think there's some sleepers here. But that's my NBA mock draft top 10. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this podcast. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to it, or Anchor, which is the app I use to download uh, the podcast stuff. Uh, I thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoy your week. Enjoy the NFL playoffs on the weekend. Uh, you know, hopefully the Knicks and Rangers can get it going and 
you know, just enjoy your week and enjoy life. And uh, I'm Andrew Schaefer, and that's going to do it for Straight Up Sports. See ya.